LFG people, welcome to today's bonus episode of Blockchain Insider. This special episode was recorded at Blockchain Rio Festival on our very own Blockchain Insider stage. We had a super interesting conversation about the state of blockchain in Latin America, exploring the regulatory progress, the general perceptions of blockchain, and of course, the future. So here's the episode. This is the bonus episode for Blockchain Rio Festival. Super happy to be here in this incredible city, incredible venue. And I'm really delighted that we're going to talk about the state of blockchain in Latin America. My name is Mauricio Magaldi. I'm the Global Strategy Director for 11FS and the host of the Blockchain Insider podcast. So we're going to start. I'm not going to do this by myself. I have three great people with me. So we're going to kick it off with Carlos Ruschiotto, who's the Principal Client Engineering Manager for Latin America at IBM. Welcome, Hiski. Good to have you here. How are you doing? And also, where can people find you online? Thank you for inviting me. It's a big pleasure to be here. The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Just look for my surname, Ruschiotto. It's in the description. It would be fine. easy to find me. Awesome. Thank you. We're also joined by Gladstone Arantz from the BNDS. He's the blockchain specialist there, good friend. Hi, Glads, how are you? Where can people find you online? Hello, Mauricio. I'm, I'm very happy to have you all here in my city. This is the city I, I live in. I know you are envy of me, of me now. <laughs> <laughs> I work in Benessa, as I said. It's very close to here. So this is my, my place. And uh, the best way of finding me is, is uh, through LinkedIn. And Gladstone Arantes, that's the, my name is in LinkedIn. Awesome, thank you. We're also joined by Sebastian Wayne, co-founder and CEO of CoinFabric and Nectra. Welcome, Sebastian, great to have you here. How are you doing and how people can find you online? Thank you, Mauricio. Uh, I am doing great. Like, it's great to be here, obviously. And they can uh, find me online via LinkedIn or by uh, our, my company, which is CoinFabric with K at the end. Awesome, CoinFabric. All right, so let's uh, dive in. So the goal here is for us to kind of uh, assess the current state of blockchain in Latin America. Um, all of you have exposure to Brazil and other countries. So I'm, I'm going to start with you, Sebastian. How's the uh, current situation after last year's super big boom of uh, crypto prices and VC money coming into the, to the market for developers. Uh, what's, what's the perspective since that peak and where we are now? Uh, well, what's happening, especially in Argentina, but in general in Latin America, is that many people entered the, this crypto world, okay, in the last years because we were funded in 2014. And in the first wave, we only saw people who were experts in the field. And in the last time, we saw a lot of people coming in, okay, which are uh, just uh, newies, okay, in the sense that of the technical side. But the, the, the interesting thing is the money coming to a startup, to, for example, to start companies like Lemon, uh, Pomelo, other companies, which are connecting the centralized world with the uh, centralized world. Okay. Got it. So as you go through Latin America, uh, Carlos, uh, what is the perspective of the degree of investment you're seeing, say, for uh, enterprise use and, and other non-crypto uses? How's this been developing? 
Well, uh, we are seeing, the, I think this last year, this, uh, the investment on, on the enterprise blockchains are increasing. Uh, we saw a, a, a winter in the blockchain incorporators and enterprise during the, the COVID crisis, so everyone stopped any investment in a such a disruptive or innovative technology because they have other, other priorities. So uh, I was just saying you know, uh, uh, before this point that we are back in mid of uh, 2018 now. We are start, restarting to have investments, but now uh, the companies and the enterprise are more focused on where they can get business value. They understand, they learn with the previous experience and proof of concept, it's uh, MVPs or whatever, and now they know uh, where to invest in it. And I see that they're starting to invest, so we have more focused projects starting, especially on supply chain, traceability, and uh, some projects on the financial market also. So we're, we're back at the middle of 2018 yeah, in, in the, the enterprise world. So yeah. yeah, who said you can you know, go back in time, right? So Glads, uh, you, you obviously work for a, a government bank and you are one of the pioneers of adopting this type of technology in that context. Since you first started, how did our region in general, your peers in other countries and obviously in Brazil as well, uh, what's been the, the biggest development? Is this like a, a, a widespread adoption already or is this still something that is more like a, a lab style pursuits like what we had like back in 2016, 17? What is your perspective in, in your, your peers in the region uh, and also you know, in the work that you do at BNDS as well? Is it past the lab stage? Is it something that is also back two years, three years in time, like in the enterprise world? Uh, in my, my view, I think what's happening, th there are many things happening, in fact. So you have some things in, in, in production when it comes to government in Brazil, for example. Most of those uh, implementations are uh, private blockchain implementations. We are talking about integration integration of data among uh, uh, institutions, things like that, which is very important, in fact. We have this uh, very exciting project from Central Bank of Brazil, the CBDC. The vision is very broad, surprisingly, uh, you know, innovative. And uh, they have a vision of, have, of having CBDC being used to, to defy, to IoT, things like that. So it's, it's exciting, and it's a very different thing um, of uh, private implementations for integrations of institutions. It's, it's something more crypto, but not exactly crypto, of course, because it's, lead, it's led by a government. So this is amazing, something that I, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what's really going to happen. And we have some other movements. For example, this is not exa exactly government, but we have... Uh, blockchain led by uh, IGB, the Inter uh, Development uh, Inter American Development Bank, in Portuguese is BID. <laughs> uh, they they have a, a network called Lackchain, that's a network for Latin America, which I'm uh, we are very cl close to them. They are very uh, they have very interesting ideas and implementations, and they inspired a lot our initiative now. That's RBB. That's uh, Hedge Blockchain Brazil, a Brazil blockchain network. That is a network for the government. I see that inside the government, people are starting to understand that uh, the technology, forgetting crypto thing, you know, 
the technology itself can be used to transparency, to increase the, conf uh, the, the trust in government. And this is, uh, I'm very excited about it. You, you, you brought a great point about the positioning of uh, specifically the Brazilian Central Bank. We're seeing different behaviors across the region from regulators, right? I'm going to go with you, uh, Sebastian. What is your reading about how regulators have been either embracing or rejecting or trying to gain control of this new, I want to say new economy, uh, I guess. Is it something that we're seeing a gradual evolution towards more friendliness or is it still something that governments don't understand and they want to, where, where, where do we stand in terms of, you know, acceptance by the regulators in your perspective? Uh, in general, like this is a, a general world problem where the regulators don't understand what's happening. Okay, that's one thing. In, in Argentina specifically, regulators will not regulate in the soon. Uh, not against, not in favor, but they don't. They are thinking all these things related to crypto uh, are connected more about uh, dangerous uh, money movement, a laundering, etc., than something, and they don't want to discuss, okay, uh, the details. So that's one thing. And I think in general, in Latin America, regulators are not ready mentally, are not prepared for <laughs> for what's coming. I think they need to see what's happening in other sides on the of the world. Not saying that in the other sides it's better saying, no, it's better, it's, I think it's better, like, for example, Germany, like, uh, solve one problem saying, okay, banks can go crypto directly because they are banks. They don't create another license for banks, okay? They create a license for new companies that want to uh, be crypto, okay? So, I, I am not optimistic about that, basically. Really? Well, interesting, interesting take. I mean, I've seen a few projects coming out of, say, Colombia, where they're using different sorts of blockchain for, say, land titles and uh, even um, issuing bonds. I think at Lackchain, uh, a bank in Colombia issued a, a bond on Lackchain. But again, it's not widespread use, right? Uh, Hiski, you advise uh, lots of companies and sometimes regulators as well in your work. Do you kind of resonate with that perspective uh, from Sebastian? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? What's your take on this? Uh, I agree with Sebastian that this is current situation in most of the country in Latin America, uh, and we still have the same confusion and about regulate the technology or regulate the usage of the technology. This is, for me, this is a key point. Uh, does it doesn't make sense to regulate blockchain. Regulate what you do with the blockchain. Does it make sense to regulate the crypto by themselves? What you do with this technology must be regulated or depend on the case, right? But I think that Brazil is a little bit uh, upfront in this uh, major events, especially with the central bank. They are doing a very incredible job. Uh, they are one of the, the most innovative in the world for the CBDC and also regulation for banks use crypto assets, etc. So I think we, especially in Brazil, we're a little bit more optimist than other countries. Uh, but I see in Argentina, Colombia, Chile, they are more 2017 about uh, Bitcoin. It's from the devil, we not touch it. So they are still dealing with how to do this, right? Uh, my vision, maybe it's happened because you don't have a lot of big companies investing in the technology, blockchain technology in other countries to help, it, to help remove this mystery about what is Bitcoin, what is cryptocurrency, 
or is blockchain technology, right? So I see in Brazil a lot of big companies from, including government, banks, telcos, etc., that are investing to demystify the technology, right? In other countries, I don't see this, the movements with the same, same strong trying to, to, to remove these barrier, barriers. Got it. I'm uh, going to turn to you, uh, Gladstone, uh, on, on the merit of technology that you were saying, right? Not regulate the technology, regulate the, uh, the use case. What are the sort of the top three use cases that you've seen that governments should at least try? I mean, I know, I know a very successful uh, BNDS coin, which was like a, a pioneer use case for traceability of funds movement, which is remarkable. Um, but that's not for everybody, right? That's a very specific use case for a very specific bank uh, on a very specific global slash local situation. What would be the other like top three use cases that regulators, you know, in the region should be uh, aiming for in terms of kind of maybe, you know, losing the sort of this prejudice of, oh, this, this all looks like Bitcoin, everything is a Ponzi scheme, which we know it's not the case. But what will be the, in your opinion, all of these uh, cases? Uh, you're talking about government use case, right? Yes. Uh, the, the, one of the use cases that I'm excited about, and I'm not talking exactly about a use case, but a kind of use case, that is a problem that I see, I, I heard at that time, uh, Central Bank talking about, is the delivery versus payment use case. We are, we are, we are in a very bureaucratic uh, country. Things uh, happen slowly, bureaucratically. They are much more expensive than it should be. They should be. <clears throat> and I see that if you can have a smart contract uh, solving the problem of I pay for you and you transfer your house, for example, for me, this is amazing. This is a very uh, amazing increase in efficiency and trust. And trust at the same time. So this kind of use case, and I repeat that the central banker talking about this thing, and I, I, I really... Uh, think this is very powerful. The other one is transparency of, of government money. Why only Bendas token? Why not government token or something? Of course, I have to discuss a lot because there are limitations in terms of regulation and etc. And not all money you can you know, show. It's not as easy as it may seem to be. But uh, I think that's something we have to, to look at some, someday and, and make it happen. And uh, a third one is something very different. <laughs> this more or less like this. I think that value chains, integration of value chains, will generate information that is very much valuable for everything, for planning, the industry, uh, 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 planning industry, for planning development, for public initiatives, you know. So I think that uh, government should uh, try to help these things to happen because it's not easy to, to, to get a lot of comp competitors and make them work together in a value chain integration or something like that. So, but, but it's important. It's important for the country as a whole and the, the value chains themselves. So I think that government should uh, induce this kind of uh, use case and use the information that is to produce it in, in the best way, of course, because, you know, everything has two sizes. 
And if, if I can add one, uh, I have in my idea another, another use case for governance case that I think is very powerful, that's digital identities. Right? I think digital identity probably will be the base for all the other use cases. Absolutely. Because the first, first thing I need to do is pro prove to everyone that I am Carlos. Right? And we have the ideas for self-serving identities, but it's a very broad discussion. But I think that governing issue, digital identity, can be an accelerator for all other digital solutions. The only thing I would like to add is that this is not exactly a use case of one government. Yes. This it's is something the problem. bigger. This is the problem. This is the problem. But I, I totally agree that this is the, the basis for the Web3, right? Yes, I, I want to add something based on, on, on this discussion and what they say is that many initiatives, okay, are using the old infrastructure, okay, the old legal infrastructure, regulated infrastructure, and just putting away of the smart contracts or tokens or whatever to connect both things. But you are not losing the old infrastructure, okay? This is the way that many companies, for example, we have companies in the agricultural uh, sector, for example, AgroToken is one known company, okay? And obviously they use the normal uh, system, okay? And represent it with the uh, architecture of the blockchain, basically. But they don't change the system. There is no new regulation to speed up all this process. I think it's a combination of like, the technology and also the uh, rules and regulations enablement. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of regulators coming in on chain. I, I don't think old frameworks work with new paradigms and the decentralization paradigm is, is, a, is a much different undertaking if you're a regulator. So I, I, I really encourage regulators to actually, you know, get their hands dirty with, uh, with coding and, and, you know, on-chain analytics and, you know, however they can, because that's a big change in perspective if you're on-chain and off-chain. But I want to just uh, turn this a little bit towards the, the people, because Web3 is for the people, right? So emerging markets in general have a much bigger crypto adoption for the regular guy or the regular girl uh, than emerging in developed countries, right? So what is, what is, what is it that we need to do maybe not as a regulator, but as an industry, to actually increase the adoption of blockchain solutions, crypto or otherwise, to the regular people, in, in the, in the day, daily lives of regular people. What's, what's your take on this? Uh, I think it's through companies like, well, for, I know that Mercado Pago, Mercado Libre here, uh, did like a, a partnership with Repio, for example, okay? So I think, it should, big companies uh, should pave the way for the other companies, okay? This is how I see it because in general, small companies uh, don't have the power or the, the power in the, in, the, in the big sense of the, of the world, okay, uh, to move the needle, okay? So I think it's more about if banks start, for example, banks in US uh, are starting to, to play with wire transfer, Okay, new ways of, of transferring money through crypto, okay? I don't know if, you're, uh, if you are aware that the Fed uh, has a plan, the Federal Reserve has a plan to change the U.S. system of transferring things in the next few years, okay? So, those things are the things uh, which move the needle, I think. Got it. 
And, um, you know, what, what is your take, uh, Carlos, on this? Do you, do you think that people uh, would go through companies? Is this something? Because we're, we're talking about decentralization. The ultimate decentralization is the person, right? So what is, what is your take on uh, people adopting blockchain or crypto in, in their daily lives? I think for blockchain in the enterprise world, we'll be always uh, through some company. I will use some application, some website, whatever, uh, that is based on blockchain, but needed to know that this is a blockchain. I'm using, like we use it today, our apps in mobile phone, we are not concerned about it. carrier, uh, TCP, IP protocols, whatever. It's a base. Uh, when you go to the crypto as a coin, uh, Maybe we will have this more closer to the end user, but I still have doubts about what is these users. Because in the, in the, end, in the end of the day, uh, I think if, if I am disposed, I am eager to be my bank, to be responsible for everything, or I still want to have companies that they can pay a fee for this, of course, but have uh, a services or they are taking care of a lot of stuff for me, right? So I think it's, we still are in a moment that it's not clear for the general population, general people. Of course, we always have uh, the, the innovative people. Uh, we have the, the, the adopters. adopters or the enthusiasts that are using. But in the end of the day, I'm not sure if he, the general population will be, uh, I want to be my bank here, I want to take care of my, my keys. If I lose my keys, it's my problem. Or if I super prefer to have a bank that I call my manager and say, well, I lose my password, I lose my card, it's sending me a new, a new one. So I think it's not clear yet. Gladstone, what do you think about uh, this concept of being your own bank? I mean, not everyone is ready to be their own bank. Um, and usually people like to yell at others when things go wrong, right? So what, what is the ideal you know, point in the spectrum for, say, a savvy individual that would want to kind of be their bank? What, what do you think about all that? This is very complicated. Uh, have, you ha have you ever transferred a Bitcoin? It it's terrible. You get uh, a one or two minutes terrified waiting for the first confirmation of the transaction. You know, it's terrifying. The user experience is terrifying. So uh, it's not easy to be your own bank. Uh, what I think is very important is um, in the space, in the constructions that are going to happen in, in blockchain, is that it has to be possible. It, it has to be a possibility. If I want to be my own bank, I will be, right? This is something that we, I, would, um, I would not like to lose, this possibility. Uh, look for the, the guys from Ukraine, for example. It's not, you know, it's, it's about, this is what the thing is about. This is what the cypherpunks are talking about. It's not a regular day, the day-to-day -day life. You don't need to be your bank if you live in a big city, if everything goes well and your government is respectful and the democracy is respected. You don't need to be your own bank. You need to be your own bank if there's a war, if there's a, a dictatorship. That, or Anyway, this is for the bad times. So it's very important to have the possibility. But user experience is a very big barrier for adoption. Because not everyone is going to be their own bank. So uh, that's it. But I'm worried about another uh, uh, view of this. 
when it, when it comes to adoption because you can just use, but you can construct the blockchain. And I really would like to, to see people from Brazil participating in constructing these things, you know? And this is about education. I, I love this because um, I, I think that there are three major blockers for massive adoption is education, as you said, user experience, as you just said, and we we're talking about regulation and regulatory integration. I think uh, the regular person will need these three to work really well. So then we can have crypto or blockchain-based technologies widespread in terms of adoption. But I want to explore the education side. So, uh, Sebastian, you have, you have a perspective on the, uh, the Latin, Latin America, the Spanish-speaking Latin America. Uh, what is... What is your perspective? What is how is education like in, in the Spanish country in the Spanish speaking countries in Latin America? Are they are they educating people to use the technology or to build the technology in um, a basic school system? Is this something that is an optional thing that people need to go after, or is it still something really raw that you know do your own research means you need to learn how consensus mechanisms work? How how how's, how's this working, or or if it's working? Well, I, I, uh, we participate, okay, in different educa uh, education institutions like universities, okay. Uh, what we saw is that uh, we need, uh, like, one, I think it's important that companies, even if it's not by profit, okay, if they are not thinking about profit, they educate other people to build these technologies. Because now there is an amazing opportunity for everybody to enter this sector because there, there is a lot of scarcity, okay? So, one, the resources are there, are in, on internet, okay? Uh, the universities are slowly updating, okay, with new things, but I think this is how I see that, is that the companies should take uh, and should help in this uh, endeavor, basically. I think I agree with you in terms of uh being self-enclosed, right? Uh, academia is not exactly the most uh, open example of, you know, knowledge trading, although they trade internally, but they don't share that with external. We're going to have a, a, a panel later today about that specifically. Um, but both of you are educators, Carlos and Gladstone. So what's, this, what's the state of education for blockchain in Latin America as you see it? Well, uh, I see this in two different dimensions. Uh, if you go up, go in the technical trainings, technical educations, master degrees in computer science, they are up to date. Almost the, the uh, graduations courses are included in blockchain, even Web3 and Metaverse, so, uh, at least in a minimal in the in looking for uh, enabled to the, the developers, architects, solution architects, uh, or computer specialist. Uh, I think we are kind of uh, up to date in this, in this domain. But for me, we have a, a huge, huge hollow in the education for other uh, acknowledgement areas. We need to educate a, a business administrator what is uh, technology, even technology, basically. Uh, what is databases, where is then become blockchain and then crypto assets, digital assets, crypto finance, etc. And also, on the other side, we need to educate better the people about finance. Our general population doesn't make it 
an idea about what is the difference between a saving account and a checking account. Imagine you can dispute decentralized finance with a population that doesn't make a difference between a credit card or a debit card. Why not use one or another? So I think we have a, a, a big hollow, a big uh, vacuum on, in this financial education and in the technology education for no technical courses, no technical careers, right? And what about the regular citizen? I mean, we're, if we're coming out of school, like high school, and we're not going to higher education, how do we solve this? What, what's, what, what do you think is going to solve this, Gladstone? Uh, first of all, I think that one of the biggest challenges when it comes to blockchain is that this is not just about computer science, it's not just about finance, it's not just about economy, it's not just about you know, legal uh, things, it's about everything. You can look at blockchain from a philosophical perspective, from a, computer, a very deep computer science subject. So it, it makes it difficult for almost everyone to understand, to, 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 to get uh, how, uh, the deep feelings of it. Uh, this is an innovation area that's not being led by neither universities, neither big companies. It's different from almost everything, you know, because artificial intelligence is led by universities and big companies. Uh, uh, quantum computers, the same, almost everything, but n not in blockchain. Blockchain is being led by a, I don't know, <laughs> a group of crazy guys that are in the market constructing things and, uh, you know, minds like, you know, Vitalik Buterin or uh, this kind of people. This is not the university. So it makes things much harder to, 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 to arrive to, to the regular student, you know. I, w I want us to look a little bit, you know, forward to the future, right? Um, what are you most hopeful in the blockchain crypto space in Latin America? What, what, what is your biggest hope? For the region when it comes to crypto and blockchain? I think it's more about the technical side, this educational thing. Uh, it's more about people building uh, new protocols, uh, new stuff, investigating, research, okay? Uh, we are working as a company, a private company, in uh, funds that are related to research, in the, for example, in the security space, okay? So this is connecting, okay? This is connecting education, okay, and development. I think that's great because in that case, the people in Latin America, which has a lot of underdeveloped, underdevelopment countries or people or countries <laughs> or developing countries, depending <laughs> who you ask, okay. Uh, I think if we have a great education, great development, startups, okay, uh, we have a way to connect to the real world, okay? Not saying that we don't live in the real world, saying the world, the real world is bigger than the world that, that we live, okay? And it has big changes in the, in the economical side because people uh, can live better, okay? Having a bigger salary, okay? Uh, an international salary, and that's great, okay? Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of the blockchain market, crypto market, like uh, Gladstone was saying, is that Who's building this? Like everyone and no one at the same time. It's yes, either, that's right. Either there are anonymous people. I mean, very few people that are, you know, under the hood are, are doxxed, 
but yeah, I, I would love that. Carlos, what's your take? What's your biggest hope for the uh, growth of blockchain crypto in Latin America? Well, this is a tough one. Uh, I, I think one, one of the things we must move on is remove all the barriers about the understanding what is the proposal technology, what is, can be done. And also, uh, as Gladstone said, uh, there, there is no one development. And at the same time, you have everyone development. And I, sometimes I see uh, this is a good movement, but also uh, we are spreading forces, spreading our strengths in different directions sometimes. And we are not having some conversions. So I hope that uh, we start to have some conversions to some applications or some uh, use cases uh, to help this development. Because if you have uh, a force in different directions, uh, we are uh, spl splitting our force. And once we don't have big companies, don't have governance, etc., this force is not so big also. Right? And this, I think, maybe governments and the academy, they can have an important pay, uh, role to help uh, this uh, guidance. Not to lead, but give a guidance, right? So this is the potential of the technology. We can go this direction, we can use for that application. And once we, we start to see real-world applications scaling out and have real money and real benefit for society, it will make all other applications, all other uh, use cases uh, be accelerated also, right? I, uh, I have a friend, uh, he says, the wealth is already here, it's just not evenly distributed. And I, and I like that because uh, right now we, we're very niche, right? We're a very niche community. We live in a kind of a bubble, not that bubble, the other bubble. <laughs> uh, and um, and we, we, we need to take upon ourselves to actually go out and talk to you know, whoever is outside the niche, whoever is outside the bubble. Glaston, what's your biggest hope for the adoption of crypto and blockchain in Latin America? Uh, I will show you my long shot, okay? What I really would like to see, and I, and I talk about the government thing, is that uh, people could believe in government processes. And this, it, this is very important in the way I will try to show to you this is. In Latin America, in Brazil at least, people, um, we, we, we have to increase our uh, uh, level, let's say, our, our political discussion all the time goes to uh, an accusation of corruption from each side to the other side. We, we, cannot, we cannot discuss ideas because we don't trust each other. We don't trust the government. We don't trust how things are, are, are working. If you, if you don't believe how, how things are uh, happening inside government, we are always being accusing uh, each other of being, uh, not acting correctly, you know? So if we could at least believe the process of government, we could increase the level of the discussion. You know? let's, let's talk about ideas. Not confusing ideas with corruption. That's what happens all the time. Because in Latin America, and in Brazil especially, in Latin America as a whole, I think, um, the lack of trust is something very important. It explains a lot how, why we cannot grow, we, we don't go further, you know? So that's what I would like to see blockchain helping. Helping people believe in government processes. That's for me enough. 
that is a long shot. I, I, I'll say that. But I, but I, but I like, I like the optimism. I think you know, um, you know, you Sebastian working with academia to actually take education forward with your learnings on the private sector. I think this is huge and important. Carlos, uh, the way you, you, you kind of bring up the, the, the whole discussion about how uh, we need education to actually break through with adoption and then converging on things that really matter to people is very inspiring. And obviously, I mean, you know, we can, we can, we can hope, but I think if we use, you know, blockchain and crypto to, you know, bring forth the trust, we're talking about trust, right? We keep, we keep saying trustlessness in, in blockchain, but what we all want is to be able to trust the system. That, that, that's what this is all about. So I think it's, it's I, I'm, I'm happy for your hopes, I guess. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think, I think it's, let's end this on a high note, right? This is, this is a very good uh, point to uh, kind of wrap this up. So this is gonna wrap today's discussion. Thank you guys for joining us. This was very, very, uh, very insightful. Uh, just a quick reminder to let you know that the views of our panel are their own and not necessarily the opinions of the companies that they are representing. Thank you all so much for joining me. This was really, really great. And as usual, stay rare, stay weird, LFG. Thank you. Obrigado. Thank Valeu. you. Obrigado, pessoal. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We have lots in the works and we're so excited to be talking about crypto and blockchain with you again. If you can't wait till the next episode, take a look at the many previous episodes and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. This is all for today. Stay rare, stay weird. LFG.